Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Welcome to the Great Wealth Transfer Edition of Retire Sooner. I don't know if I can really think of a better topic that helps people retire sooner or then maybe bolsters retirement. And the reason I wanted to do this, I, I've been in the investment industry for 25 plus years, and we always think about uh, saving our own money, investing our own money. And when you sit down with families and you start to talk about longer term, they'll mention, hey, my mom and dad sometimes the kids end up having to pay for mom and dad and things get expensive. And once in a while, they'll, uh, I'll hear mom and dad are in pretty good financial shape. They'll be on their own. And once in a while, you'll hear, I think mom and dad have kind of a lot of money, but I don't want to count it. I don't want to count it towards my retirement. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while, hey, why don't we go ahead and count it? Because I think it's a lot. So I've, I've seen that the entire gamut. And over the years, I've seen that come to fruition. I've seen pe- many people inherit money. Uh, I would say one. 99% of them expect it. 99% of folks kind of know, you know what's in the family and you know what to expect. You don't know when to expect it, but maybe in 10 or 20, or maybe 30 years, I don't even want to think about it. But there's so much money moving from one generation to the next to the next that it's the topic today. And it was brought up through one of the first complete surprise inheritances that I've ever seen. So in almost 30 years in the investment business, I don't know if I've ever, I've ever had someone call me or a client or family call me and say, Wes, we need to talk. Almost always, we need to talk. It's bad news. Somebody's sick. Somebody's hurt. Need more money. Roof fell in. House burned down. Kids need money. But in this case, it was the total opposite. I had a great aunt in southern, southern Georgia that I hadn't seen for 40 years. I didn't even know that she would have known my name and she left us some money. The good old fashioned great aunt. Well, you hear like, what about if there's a great, great aunt? I've never heard of the great aunt actually leaving money to someone until this past week. And I remember talking to this family I've worked with for many, many years. They're already in retirement, do, do, doing well, having, they have enough, just enough money from their investments to produce enough income to live on. It's a little bit, it's been a little bit tight. And all of a sudden, a great, great aunt, a long lost great aunt, left money to seven people. Well, what did, what, what did it, what, how much do you think this is? Well, she lived in a house. It was about $275,000. 
I immediately thought maybe a hundred thousand, maybe two hundred thousand dollars. Split between seven people, it can't end up being that much. Well, great aunt, great great aunt, and great great uncle lived in this little sub three hundred thousand dollar house on a tiny little farm in southern southern Georgia, and ended up leaving sixteen million dollars. Sixteen million dollars to all of their long lost great, great nieces and nephews who in some cases were already fully into retirement. And that was, that was now sad that we had a passing in the family, but seven people all of a sudden ended up with two to $3 million each. And it was a shocker reminder that this great, great elusive ant story that you hear about, but I'd never actually seen in practice is happening every single day. And it's called the great, great wealth transfer here in the United States. We're the mo- by far the most wealthy country in the world. And two of my financial advisors from the United States of America, one from Atlanta, Joel Dean. Welcome. Wes, happy to be here. Dana Brabenwitz from Tampa. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Flew in just for today. You did fly in. I love not doing a Zoom. So much cooler to be in the studio. So much better to be in the studio. Uh, you guys have been in the business for a long time. Joel, you've been doing this for what? Over a decade? Almost a decade. Yeah. Almost a decade. And Dan? 12 years now. It's a long time. Yeah. Don't you guys have a bunch of kids now? And Joel, you've got one on the way. Dan, how many kids? You, you've got what? Two? Two. Two boys. Two boys. Five boys. and three. Yeah. I Joel? Know. Uh, we have a two-year-old, wife and I have a two-year-old, and then today is March 31st to 2022, and so our due date for, for baby Dean number two, we don't know the gender yet, is April 10th, and so we're on high alert, bags packed anytime. By the time this episode of Retire Sooner airs, you, you will have two I'll be children. In, yeah, I'll be in the <laughs> trenches. I'll be in the trenches. So jo- Joel acts as uh, the Director of Investment Associates, so you're in charge of all the newer, up-and-coming financial advisors. Yep. And uh, and also a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. Yep. Um, and Dan runs the Tampa office for Capital Investment Advisors, too. So uh, really appreciate you guys being here. You've been doing this a long time. Uh, you're still, you're kind of in the heart of all of this. So I, I want to get to, I, I've told the story about the family of the great, great aunt. That this, for, again, first time I've seen the great out aunt out of, totally out of the blue, unexpected. But it's indicative of what's happening in the United States, whether it's unexpected or not. First of all, what is, Dan, the great wealth transfer? And, yeah. how, and how much is it, for God's sake? That's a great question. So it's why we're here today, right? Obviously, there are a bunch of numbers that are getting thrown out there with what the great wealth transfer looks like, right? Big picture, high level, the great wealth transfer is essentially the wealth that has been accumulated in this country and the world holistically, right, from the baby boomer generation. If you think about the baby boomer generation, which started in around 1946, goes to 1964 from a date range, plus or minus a couple of years, those individuals have accumulated wealth during this time frame up until 2022, which is what we're in right now, right? So the average boomer today is what, around... The average, the average life expectancy, the average boomer is probably around 60 still, but the average life expectancy in the United States is around 79.05 years today. So when you think about that and you think about having average our life expectancy, average life expectancy yeah. is around 79.05 years. So when you look at that, right, and you think about, well, 
this individual again is is born between the years of 1946 and 1964. So right right after yeah. World War II, right obviously we know we had this giant baby boom pig moving through a python demographically huge amount of kids born and then those kids today are in their 60s 70s etc yeah exactly it it looks like between 57 and 75 years old is is kind of the range that's the band is is what we're looking at so mid 60s is the the average boomer today and they've and think about if you look at a chart of the the s p 500 you've seen if you've been an investor at all You've seen great wealth accumulation because the economy has continued to chug along. The economy's well, more than chug along, and, this, and the U.S. stock market has, has done really well. So imagine somebody with a million dollars 20 years ago, they may have two and three million dollars today. Yep. Somebody with five million might have 10 or 15 million dollars today, depending on how much they have invested yep. over time. That, so that generation has been a benefit of a prosperous economy, a yep. long, prosperous economy. So do, have we put a number on it? How, how much is going from one to the next generation? Yeah, so the range that we're seeing right now is anywhere from $30 trillion to $68 trillion, right? And we're talking Thir- about trillion. Trillion, trillion. to $68 trillion. Trillion. Wow. You know, kind of, th- th- to some extent, I can see that because at some point, it all passes, right? Over the sure. course, because we don't live forever. And the value of the United States stock market itself is about 40-some trillion, Yep. So it does make sense that eventually that is gonna that's gonna pass to the next generation. Uh, so Joel, who then is the who gets impacted? Yeah, so you know, that's one of the things that we're probably gonna talk through a little bit. Who stands to benefit the most? You would imagine from a traditional inheritance sense would be most likely millennials. Now there's gonna be some Gen um, Xers. Gen Xers. Yeah, I'm a Gen that, Xer. Yeah, yeah. That, that whose parents are are probably still now probably like seventy. Old? Yep, both and of my parents are right around seventy. Yep. Now. So, so Gen X and and millennials, right? In fact, I, I saw a pretty eye popping stat. And in fact, a lot of these stats are, are pretty eye popping, actually. Yeah, you're talking about some massive numbers. Yeah. But but it says that the the wealth of millennials over the next decade is going to increase five times, and a lot of that is going to be well, one, you know. Dan and I working, accumulating our own independent wealth, but a, a lot of this is probably going to come from parents and grandparents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's going to be Gen Xers who would be in the, let's call it from 40, early 40s to mid 50s or Gen Xers yep. today. Yep. And then anybody below around 40 today is really, a, is actually a millennial. It's funny to think of a millennial as age 40, but mm-hmm. that's yeah. demographic. Who, by the way, Joel, who comes up with all these? Who, who demarcates the lines? Well, that Who's what? Who's an X, a Y, a Z, a millennial, a, a, a zip generation, the great generation, baby boomers? Yeah. I mean, is there anybody that... Gen Z. Gen Z. Well, I think... I, I don't know if there's a firm answer for that. I don't know if like we as yeah. society just just kind of put a label on it. I feel like, like a lot of great things, it comes from some sharp journalist kind of assigns it. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. To you. I and think then everybody it, picks yeah. it up and runs with I, it. Yeah, I think it's a couple demographers yeah. get cited in an article, and yeah. it's really the journalists that love to write about these demographic lines, and I think they kind of define it. And then it's a bunch of journalists, so that's why you have these gray lines. I remember yeah. at one point thinking, well, I'm almost a millennial, and then you guys just came in here and told me, no, I'm actually old, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> firmly in Gen X, but not, not a baby boomer. And, wh- and what is the timing, though? So what are we looking at? I mean, and, and does it all happen? Uh, my my example of this 
great great aunt who leaves 16 million an uncle who leaves 16 million but it doesn't necessarily just have to be once somebody passes on yeah i think i think there's been i mean what we are seeing on the ground level a lot of times is is folks i think there has been a, a major shift in the way people view their legacy right and what they want to have happen to their wealth it's no longer well let me let me just build this up and then when i die i can give it i can give it to my children or my grandchildren or potentially some organizations that we're passionate about i think there is a movement now where folks are saying i don't really get much benefit out of that right i I'd, I'd rather i'd rather start helping my my children or my grandchildren today then waiting until I pass away when they might be already independently financially secure. A gift today probably carries more value than a gift 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, there's a, a, I think there's a lot to be said for I listened to your, your other podcast with, was it David York? Mm-hmm. Was that? Oh, yeah, the estate planner, who's wonderful. Which was amazing. If you haven't listened to that episode, by yeah. the way, David York. It's like, it seems like the worst topic ever, estate planning. But he's the best guest ever, so I would I would encourage you to listen. One to that. one line that I've stolen from him because I think it 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 rings true, and I think it is the way people need to be thinking about this is they're starting to prepare their children for wealth instead of preparing their wealth for children. Yeah. So I love that line. No, yeah. That, say that, that line great. again. So say it again. I like I love that. So so folks are now starting to take the view where they need to prepare their children. For their wealth, for wealth, not their wealth for their children. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And what does that then mean to you? Does that mean that we start spending some of our money on our kids now? Does it mean, Dan? What would you? How would you interpret that? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, Wes. I think you can look at it at, on on both sides of the equation, right? And both sides of the equation are what Joel just said. You know, taking advantage of the time that we have left on this earth, right? And 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 focus on core pursuits with our children and with our families and take part in that, right? Giving, giving them access to that money now and, and, and sharing in that, right? Yeah. You know, wealth is not only just monetarily, but it's also emotionally too. Mm-hmm. So t- taking part in that. And then there's the other side of the equation, which is I don't want to set my kid up for a downfall by giving them access to this large sum of money, right? And they're not prepared for it. Yeah, you know, it's almost like David, what David York was saying in his, his interview as I'm thinking that through today, the way he, his perspective around wealth is that it's the, it's the blood and the sweat and the tears that goes into creating the wealth, Mm -hmm. which is always is blood, sweat and tears Mm -hmm. uh, for this generation. Like 99% of the time it's the wealth. It doesn't just happen. It is a long arduous uh, life of, of sacrifice to get there. But the very reason you're doing it is to then avoid to some extent, the reason we do this almost culturally is to now avoid blood, sweat, and tears. Right. So we work so hard to be able to, for the very reason that then makes the next generation, a lot of times it ends up being yeah. lazy. And that's where this whole shirt sleeves to short sleeves and three generation comes from. Mm-hmm. The, the first generation makes it, the second generation kind of enjoys it, and then the third generation wastes it and gets rid of it, and, you, and the whole thing starts over again mm-hmm. because of the very reason of why we're toiling away. And I think about this as a dad, you know, I'm I always, I think when things are getting really busy and I'm working way too much, I think, well, I'm really doing this for the family. And then I think to myself, well, if my kids are, if my kids don't ever have to feel that pain of creating economic prosperity, then what does that really mean for them too? Which Dan goes back to your point. We can't ruin our children too. Right. 
by dumping a whole bunch of money on them now. We, we, we know it ruins them, right? I've, and that's the other thing I've seen. I have families that I've seen over the years that got access to a lot of money early on, and it really does allow a whole generation to not work, and we know, we know what happens at that point. The world, as we all know, has changed so much, and your financial situation has likely changed too. How you adapt to that change has a massive effect on your future. Maybe your mom or dad's health has declined. Maybe you recently had a baby or got a divorce or inherited some unexpected money and you aren't sure how to invest it. Maybe you're one of the three million people who reportedly retired early due to the pandemic. Or perhaps you didn't retire, but your company decided to softly push you out the door. It's happened so much at some of America's biggest companies, they've even come up with a new word for it, surplusing. As in there's a surplus of humans and you're one of them. As if downsizing wasn't bad enough. And if you're facing that change, should you take pension payments monthly or a lump sum, a rollover IRA or something else? You may also be stuck in a static portfolio with the outdated 60-40 stock bond ratio that assumed interest rates and inflation would never go up. We are in the middle of the largest financial shift that we have seen in more than 40 years. Tectonic plates are shifting. We've moved from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to higher interest rates. If you have questions about how to adapt to that or adjust to all these changes, just give us a call. Or better yet, find us at yourwealth.com. You can meet with a real live person in Atlanta or Tampa or Denver or Phoenix, or we can just do it over Zoom. I just had a great meeting with some wonderful folks from Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. If we can get to know each other over Zoom, so can you and I. So reach out to our team at Capital Investment Advisors, the website yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R, wealth.com. So what about fire? Is the fire movement so young that they're not really going to be seeing the wealth transfer just yet? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept, right? So what is the FIRE movement? Well, it's essentially financial independence, early lifestyle movement, right? So if you think about it, retire at 40 is basically the best way to sum that up. Mm -hmm. And that is a big conception right now with millennials, right? The younger generation as they want to save and save and save and get into this position to where they have flexibility and options. So yeah, it's really a little less black and white than it sounds, right? Yeah. F financial independence, retire early. I want to be yeah. done at 36. Like, that doesn't mean you're going to stop very rarely can you actually just totally stop right at 30s at 40 right right it's all particularly if you start having kids e exactly right so it's all about flexibility and options right so for that fire movement could it speed it up for some millennials potentially absolutely right and you know again that's you, you take that with a grain of salt because then you get into some maturity issues with are the kids ready from a maturity standpoint to accept that money to have that burden right are they at the stage of life where they can be responsible? Do they have, you know, looking at their financial needs as well, you know, are they in a place to where they can participate in the fire movement now or with the great wealth transfer, does that speed that concept up too, right? So there's so many options, the way to think about that. But big picture is that, 
you know, everybody wants to get a side gig these days, right? Mm-hmm. Or a be an influencer, right? And, and, and how can I get some money? Not me. <laughs> I don't want any more side gigs and I don't want to be an influencer. But that's essentially, right, is financial independence. How early can I achieve that, right? That's going to give me the individual flexibility and options to live the life that I want to live. What about for happy retirees? You know, and we talk a lot about happy retirees as part of Retire Sooner podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the books that uh, obviously we talk about here are, are all about the habits of happy retirees. And I can start to think about one of the things that I've seen, again, just through being in the investment business and planning business for a long time is people going from trying to make sure they have just enough. Oh, I need mm-hmm. to get to a million or two mm-hmm. million. And then they look up 10 years or 15 years later and they say, wait a minute, I have 5 million. Yep. And now I'm not worried about running out of money anymore. I'm worried about what I'm going to do with all this money. Where's it going to go? Which kind of goes back to your point, Joel, which was at some point, when do we start thinking about using that maybe today? Yeah. Right. What does the happy retiree do with that money? Well, I, I'll tell you when we were preparing for this podcast and it's something that I, 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 I see so often is, more often than not, our clients, their spending problem isn't that they spend too much money. Mm-hmm. It's that they don't spend enough money. And so it's like, well, hey, do you, hey, I, got, I have a million dollars and I want to retire. But then they don't want to spend any of it. And so, so you have to frame the conversation. Okay, if your $1 million grows to $2 million, then $3 million, what does that do for you? Mm-hmm. Right? So what have you missed out on? What, what memories have you not, not made with your family? What trips mm-hmm. have you not taken? Right? Mm-hmm. What charities have you not given to? Right? And so... So there is a, I think it does, it does need to be framed in that manner that, you know, hey, if you have money, what is your purpose for it, right? And so whether that is giving it to your children, whether it is becoming charitable, and I think that, you know, we talk, we've talked a lot about, um, about you know, the, the next generation inheriting this wealth, but there's been a, an explosion in charitable giving as well. Right, because mm-hmm. a lot of people are trying to are not only more conscientious of maybe like a uh, a moral or humane responsibility uh, to to fellow man when it comes to some of their wealth, but to potentially avoid some of the um, the wealth er- eroding or or going away in three generations. Right. Well, well, like, there's not a, if you give it away, there's not a lot to erode, mm-hmm. right? Or if you give some of it away, so um, I think. I think people need to be honest and start really thinking about what they want, what will bring them fulfillment and happiness. You know, you know I've seen a money. bunch of not it's not as many as I'd probably like to see, but I've seen more families over the last, well, particularly this past year, right? So we had a real lull in travel, obviously because of COVID. So 2000 and 2001 were very travel light. Mm-hmm. And now here we are in 2022 and the world's really opened back up. And I've seen uh, folks be re- putting some big down payments down on big family trips. Uh, one of the things that I, I will see great enjoyment around, and if we go back pre-pandemic, so 17, 18, 19, are some of these international trips where we'll have a, let's say, a grandmother that's actually been very afraid to spend for a lot of years. And then she looks up and she says, wow, I've got $3 million and I'm in my late 70s and I'm I, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm not worried about running out of money anymore. So the conversation does kind of shift. Wes, I'm always afraid to spend, but now I'm contemplating going to Croatia mm-hmm. with my, you know, with like 12 family members, but it's going to cost like 50 grand. Could I, I would never have thought to ever spend that kind of money. 
even five or 10 years ago, but now the perspective kind of shifts a little bit. A, I'm older, not going to live forever. B, now all of a sudden the money's worth even more. Wait a minute, I'm really not going to run out. You're right. Mm -hmm. Now I can maybe spend $50,000 on some crazy big family trip. And and I've actually seen a couple of these. I've seen some down payments to uh, an an Antarctica trip, uh, a Croatia trip, which I had never really thought about as a uh, to, to go with family, but supposedly it's a wonderful place. Uh, these Euro- European trips or European cruises. Mm-hmm. I, I think those doesn't, we, we don't want to be going to Eastern Europe with all everything happening in the world today, but hopefully that settles itself uh, for later in the year. But I really do like the idea of one way to start bringing the family together and kind of loosening out the purse strings a little bit is to start spending on some of these family events that I think we've all been deprived of. You know, we, we, we had a Moss family reunion in memorial for my grandmother who lived till she was 105. And it was planned for the April where the world was shut down in COVID. And then it was, then we went another year and it was postponed again. And finally we have it in, in 2022. So it's two and a half years later than we wanted, but we do have the whole family coming together, everybody from all over the country and the world coming to uh, the Southeast here in Georgia or coming to Atlanta. So it's, we, we got some making up to do. We, yeah. We've got a lot of, we got some, some life to make up in the next several years. What about charitable organizations? Do you see, how are clients, Dan, thinking that through? Are they doing these uh, donor advised funds? Are they finding individual charities they really want to, give money to? Are they involving the kids on charitable giving? Maybe just talk a little bit about diving into charity. The other thing I always think about charity is I think it's hard to pick the right charity. Mm -hmm. Like what is the charity that you want to spend time with? You want to spend money on? Is it one? Is it three? How do you find it? Maybe let's talk that through a little bit. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, when you, when you think about charitable giving these days, there's a number of ways you can accomplish that and, and, and see that through, right? The biggest way that you can do that is through a donor advised fund and a donor advised fund allows you to essentially give stock or give appreciated assets, right? And get a tax deduction for that and then gift that to a charity, right? So it's actually a benefit. Hold on. You're, you're, you're maybe mechanic. So let's say hundred thousand dollars from what? From a taxable account or a brokerage account, you name it, right? Appreciated securities, you then transfer that to the donor advised fund, which is another account that you still control. That you still control. And then you get to take that tax deduction in the given year that you gift that money. And then you have the ability, though, to actually gift that money however you want to, right? Over time. Over time. So you right? put the 100000 in today, you get the yep. deduction today. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you, you can, if you give appreciated stock away, you, to some extent, because the, the 501c3 doesn't have to pay taxes, so you kind of get out of the mm-hmm. – you don't have to pay the taxes. Now you're giving the money away. Exactly. They don't have to pay the taxes. And then uh, in the donor advised fund, then you you can piece that out to multiple things over multiple years. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I've actually worked with a lot of clients recently that are charitable giving to their church. And they give offering weekly, right? Instead of doing through the donor advice, through and, and instead of doing that actually in the offering plate, they're doing that in the donor advice fund, right? That's more tax efficient for them. Again, it's part of this whole wealth transfer aspect too, right? On top of that, right? The biggest elephant in the room when we all get to this age, and we're not all here this yet, but a majority of our clients are seventy-two, right? When you have mm-hmm. to take your required minimum distribution. Mm-hmm. 
out of your IRA, out of your 401k, any type of tax deferred account. You can do what's called a QCD, yep. a qualified charitable donation, and rather take that tax burden off your shoulders and donate that to the specific charity or multiple charities that you would like to do too. Now with the QCD- So again, another, another example, you've got a million dollar IRA, your RMD might be called $40,000 you have to take out as yep. just an example. Instead of taking the 40000 in and paying taxes on it, so taking it out of the IRA, you're saying you can do a qualified charitable donation. Donation. Or is it deduction? Qual- it's distribution, actually. Distribution. D- distribution. Qualified yeah. charitable distribution that QCD. goes into, that goes directly to a charity? Goes directly to a charity. And it fulfills your required minimum. Exactly. Okay. All Uncle Sam cares about is that you take it out of that account. Now, do you still have to pay the taxes? You do not have to pay the taxes. Okay. So it's kind of win-win-win. Yeah, you do not have to pay the taxes. It, if you're going to give money anyways, and you have to take an RMD anyways, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Absolutely well, no-brainer. Joel, unless you need the money, right? Yeah. So some people take their RMDs. They actually need the RMD money, right? Yeah, that's that's well, true, too. Well, I'm sure throughout a lot of this <laughs> this conversation, there might be like... If we listen closely, like the world's smallest violin playing right now, yeah, I'm sure right. there's plenty of folks who are saying, "What are we talking about here? Right? We're, we're two people don't spend enough money. What, what, what kind of problem is that? Right? It's, well, it, we, it are is, talking, we are talking. We are talking about a, a problem that is. It's a. This is a good problem, right? There's a lot of money in the United States, and for the people that have worked and saved and invested, the it, these are good problems to have, right? I, I love when people. It is funny. You, I'll hear clients really get worked up about their RMDs. God, I cannot believe the government is making me take money out of my. Mm-hmm. And it is. It is. But and in the end of those conversations, it is. A, it is a good problem to have, and you don't have to spend it. You can move it from one account to another. You pay your taxes and uh, and, and move on. What about though? So we've got. T- we've talked a little bit of taxes, healthcare, inflation. Uh, there's all these other external forces to some extent. Uh, when it comes to this great wealth transfer, Joel. Yeah, so there are, we're, we're talking about this in today's terms, right? And we're assuming that a lot of this is going to happen over the next few decades. Well, a lot can happen over the next few decades, right? Today, like from a tax standpoint, for example, we live in a, a, an extraordinarily generous, by historical standards, um, uh, time frame when it comes to your estate and what you can pass along. So what what each individual can give, their what's called their lifetime exemption, essentially what you can give before you have to pay estate taxes, is like $12 million per person. Per person. Mm-hmm. So most people, this isn't even a conversation they're having. Most people are able to are able to give money freely as needed. But that could change, right? We know a lot of these tax laws are written in pencil, and depending on who's who's in power, they just get erased and rewritten, yeah. right? So potentially, if, if that took him, if we saw a major reduction from that standpoint, in the sense where hey, maybe instead of being able to give twelve million, right, to the next generation, you're only able to give three million to okay, the next well, generation. That takes a real bite yeah. out of what actually yeah. gets passed but down. Let, let's let's expand on that a little bit. So yeah. there was a time. This dates me back when I was early in the in the you know trudging through the snow barefoot to school it was uh when i first started in the investment industry it was 675 grand was the exemption so anything over six call it a million two million three from mom and dad to the kids had this nasty 40 45 death tax mm-hmm. right yeah. 
And, and uh, Congress did a good job of labeling it going from estate tax back when nobody cared. Well, who cares about the estate tax? They labeled it the death tax, and all of a sudden, people are like, oh, wait a minute. Let's mm-hmm. get rid of this. Yep. So what they did was brilliant uh, words that work by Frank Lutz, I think, was the guy that figured that out. Um, then we've expanded that, meaning that it went to $3 million, then $5 million, and then now it's tw- it's 12 Yeah. Right, it's hard to even. It's, you get almost lose track. It's so big because it's not just twelve. Yep. For mom and dad, it's twelve. So it's twenty-four million dollars. Yep. That you can now pass on. Call call it your if, if you pass away. The first twenty-four million. The first twenty-four <laughs> goes to the next generation without having to pay a state tax. Now that to your point, Joel, it's in pencil, not pen. Could be reduced by the time you pass away. But you can use now that not just upon your passing, right. but because it's called a unified credit, you can also start chipping away at that during your lifetime. The, that- the, it's called the lifetime exemption. So I, potentially, I, I suppose that it uh, that presumes that you might be giving some of it away in your lifetime. And, and that's what we're talking a lot about today, because a lot of people don't do it in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. right? But maybe maybe they should start thinking about it. Yeah. So again, more than... If we think about an estate that starts to get to be this a very large estate, ten, let's call it ten million dollars. Each mom and dad could each only use up five million, let's say, during their lifetime, sure. and and the next generation. And there's no gift tax on that because it's Correct. essentially you're using up that credit mm-hmm. instead. By the way, qualifier, not a CPA. Please check with your CPA before you make any sort of gift transfers. Um, <laughs> Of course. The, so, so we have taxes to think about, inflation, health care. Wh- what's kind of the next thing that we want to talk about when it comes to the next, this generational passing? Yeah, I would say, you know, health care yeah, and then technology. Technology is, a, is, it's out there, right? There's ever-changing technology. So what does that mean? Well, you know, maybe people, people's tastes, their habits change over time, as we've seen. I mean, just look before the pandemic. We were doing things a certain way. We now do Zoom videos. We now do, you know, Betterment. We now do Robinhood. You name it, right? So, when you think about this wealth transfer, is that technology is potentially going to change the way people live their lives? It's going to change the way that people do business. It's going to maybe change some core pursuits for some individuals as well. So, how do we factor that in with the expectation that that times are changing along the way just by what's in front of us? How about inflation? Joel, are you worried about it? Is that a problem right now? I don't know. Is gas are, are the people, most are, expensive it's ever been in the history of the world? Yes. Dan, are you having clients ask about inflation? What's inflation? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, obviously. I mean, if inflation is is a reduction in your purchasing power, the cheapening of the dollar, then that could have a huge impact. You know, if you're if we're talking about $60 trillion on the high end, well, if that uh, if that is eroded by four percent, five percent over the next couple of years, then certainly that has a major impact on what that can actually go to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just just look at housing prices. I mean, exactly where we're at right now. We've seen inflation just everywhere, but inflation specifically in housing prices, and then it costs an individual on average around fifty to sixty percent extra in a monthly payment to get the house that they want today that they probably could have afforded. For less two years ago. Not to mention mortgage rates yep. are going to start go have already started to go up yep. as the Fed starts raising interest rates. So let's maybe as we as we wrap up here, what maybe both each of you give me your recommendation to the retire sooner audience on 
what what do you, what should they be thinking about? What should our listeners be thinking about or doing when it comes to this? The yeah. great the great wealth transfer. The great wealth transfer. I would say first and foremost for our clients and, and our listeners, prioritize yourself, number one, right? You did the hard work, the heavy lifting, saving and getting yourself in this position. So that's number number one. Prioritize yourself. And then also bring in your family, right? Bring in your family to the discussions, whether it's the financial discussions, the planning discussions, you name it, right? And that's another thing, planning, right? Have a plan, whether it's, you know, with whatever advisor that you're using, right? A plan is a guide and a map and and bring the family into the plan so everybody knows what's going on, right? I think that's the basis of when you have a plan that you can educate not only yourself. At what age, though? When do you start telling? When do you start telling your kids you've got money? Yeah, I've I've found that it it typically happens when you're faced with with mortality a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, most most people. I love telling people. I love doing these family planning meetings. By the way, there I think they're cathartic yeah. for families to come in and they can say, "Listen, here's what we have. Here's how we have it structured today. Here's what we would like to do with it. Here's what we would like you to do with it." Right. Mm-hmm. So having those conversations, but. You as it, a that's, mom and dad to the kids. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in facilitating. Guiding you know, I like it. To, yeah. I like to help facilitate those conversations as well. But it, I, it, you, when you're 60 years old and your kids are maybe 30, it seems really, it's abstract, right? It's far out. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about my, my death. I don't, I don't think so. And I don't even know if, I don't even know if my kids are ready for it yet. Right. They just, they're just now kind of finding their way in the world. Yeah. But, but you know, my clients are in their eighties. They're like, well, we need to, we need to get this going because mm-hmm. we don't want, you don't, I, and I challenged the assertion actually that you threw out there earlier, Wes, is that 99% of people kind of know it's coming. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I've, mm-hmm. I've dealt with a lot of clients who's passed away and then it's kind of like, well, we got to find the kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, the kids. Okay. Yep. And then the kids are calling out they're like, hi, I think you worked with my parents and it's like we probably should have that relationship already in place yeah like you should know who to call me so um so i I think certainly by the time you get later on in life and it's it's a little bit more of a reality for you i I think that's when you start you tend to see more people do it and it's a lot of times going to be when you're when when you think your kids are ready yeah and and they may not ever be right and that's a whole nother set of issues you know so i think about happy retiree research which is the, the, the upshot the, to not bury, bury the lead when it comes to money and f- facilitating the lives of your adult children, you know, it's, the, the statistics are incredible. It's like 52% of adult children uh, are, have some sort of financial support by their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and happy retirees tend to spend less money per month on their adult children. Unhappy retirees spend more. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the conclusion I draw from those numbers is that independent children lead towards a happy retirement. But to your point, Joel, it is very much, a, it's just individual based. You can have a 30 year old that is totally ready for mm-hmm. mom and dad to say, look, look, we got $10 million today. It'll probably be 20 by the time we, we pass away. Let's start talking about it. Or you can have a 45-year-old mm-hmm. that is kind of an economic disaster. They're in a bad marriage. You don't want the husband or the wife to know that the family has all of this money. And that is a totally different conversation. Yep. yep. So you're right. It's really, it's, it's, it's circumstance dependent. Are, are your kids and their particular family situation, are they ready for the conversation? And you know, right? As a parent, you know. Yeah. You know who's ready and who isn't. Well, they might not ever be ready. Yeah. Which, again, that... that 
that's a whole other box of worms. Maybe you have another estate attorney on at some point to, to help unpack yeah. that. Maybe that doesn't show that. What happens to the kids when they're not ready yep. yeah. for the great wealth transfer? Right. So $30 trillion, $60 trillion, it's a big number. It's a big number. Uh, it's coming to – it's here. And it's just a, it's a, it's a kind of this slow moving tsunami of money from one generation to the next to the next. It's just going to continue to be part of the conversation. And Joel Dean and Dana Bravowitz kind of shed some real light on this today. And I, I thank you, gentlemen, for all that you're doing. Uh, I, I thank you for your introspection into the topic. And uh, thanks for coming on in the studio live. Uh, retire sooner. Live. Yeah. The 15 step walk for me was was a lot easier than Dan getting up here, but thanks for having us in. It's always fun. Happy to be here. Thanks, Wes, for having us. Thank you, Joel. Hey, y'all. This is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at wesmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.